Hello and welcome to the Carpetrage Podcast, episode 176. I'm Eric Berger, joined as always by my co-host Ryan Zanetsky. Hello. Hey, that's me. Oh, uh, we are doing the remote thing again because, yay, yeah. hopefully this is the last time I travel in quite some time. But I am Thank up you. in a BFE town in northern Minnesota, and I have my work phone on hotspot in the top window of the house, getting just enough cell data to use Discord audio. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that, that's comical. Solutions to non-problems. I am sitting here probably less than 100 miles away from you in the first world. Mm-hmm not having to do that yeah that Uh, sounds good your your phone is actually clipping a little bit but i mean it's a phone i'm not too surprised so oh apologize everybody has to listen to that but whatever so dang it i'll turn down uh, my mic a little bit Ooh, try that again you sound a little better already all right i turned it down to like 75 percent. is that better maybe turn up to like 78 percent maybe 80 like that is that good Firm, firm 80. Talk to me. I will talk to you through this microphone. That's 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 it, your equilibrium. It it's mint? not so quiet. Yeah, it's okay, mint. Good. Well, it's not mint. I mean, it's probably, you know. This should be good. I turned yours down a little bit too beforehand on my end, and now it sounds really good. So, anyway. Oh, good. All right, there we go. Uh, I do not have a beer right now because it's not yet noon. Um, do you, have, do you have a drink? Okay, no, good. I'm, I'm not even. I, I woke up like 20 minutes ago. So I gotcha. Not in a beer mood yet. I woke you up with the text saying, "Hey, uh, I'm not in town. What should we do?" <laughs> no, I actually I set an alarm because Jana's been like going like full steam all week, like closing on this house. Sure. And so she's like, "This weekend, I just want to be at home and sleep." I'm like, "That's fine." Totally fair. Like, all I plan on doing is bring dishes to the house to use my dishwasher that I own. <laughs> Right, that so first you have to world. understand why I'm so excited. Um, my parents moved from Edina to Richfield when I was in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. That was the last time I had a, a dishwasher. What's oh in that God. apartment in Edina? Since then, I've been hand washing dishes for the last twenty years of my life. That is unacceptable. So, like, for reference, the last time I had a dishwasher. Yeah. The vehicles that were being produced on the road are now eligible for collector points. <laughs> that's like, going to be a hard a... pass for me. So anyway, I'm very excited. I, I've got I, all points of time in my house since I've moved in here. I, I've had a pile of dishes that's coming out of the sink, and I wash them once I like run out of forks. Right. Like, even we kind of do that with the dishwasher. But congratulations on your dishwasher with the house wrapped around it. I'm so excited. That's very nice. <laughs> Anywho. There's a oh sorry. There's a gay bar out the back door <laughs> of my garage, which is awesome. Just and one of the guys there. that works there is this like large black guy, and um, I saw him leave, and he had like a Chinese moped. Okay. But he like had like July six things. Yeah, yeah, but he had like a gutted muffler on it. Oh hell it was, yeah! Like, loud as hell, and it like actually took off. It was pretty cool. So like. <laughs> so you got a vehicle like enthusiast a, behind you then. I've got a vehicle enthusiast. Uh, about a block away from my house, like mm-hmm. west of me, there's a house where every car in it is a Donk or a Lowrider. Nice. Very cool. cool. Yes. So I, I'm, very I'm all about that culture, so excellent. Glad to hear. Yes, it's um, very good. So anyway, before we get into vehicle topics, I want to do the regular things, because um, oh, even though yeah, we're remote, let's talk about Patreon. 
uh, yes. head on over to patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. What Patreon is, and you've heard us harp on it before, it's a direct support mechanism for content consumers like you to support content producers like us. Because, let's be honest, we do this for free just because we enjoy it and we hope you enjoy listening to us too. On our Patreon page, you will find two open-ended levels of support, and basically what those allow us to do is drink a little bit more heavily, and then hopefully someday they will actually eat into our production cost as well. So, patreon.com forward slash carbitrage. All right, Jana might actually jump on. Uh, She just woke up. But Anyone right, right. I told well, Scott too, so he may hop on later. We'll see. Discord is so, beautifully flexible. Yes, it is. So, I closed on my house on eight seven twenty twenty, which is one day away from greatness. Because on Thursday was the great unofficial Toyota holiday of eight six day, eight eighty six day August oh, six. Okay, uh-huh. is that every the year then they celebrate? <laughs> yes, okay. unless there's a day, unless there's a year where there's. Not in August 6th. If it goes like August 5th, August 7th, I, they don't celebrate. I don't think Leap Year works that way, so I think we're okay. Yeah, I think we're okay. Um, so I wanted to celebrate AE86 Day because every year they get more expensive. It's so irritating. Yeah, you might have missed the boat on those. Just like your comment when, what was it, Hari posted in our Discord about the oh, E30 dude. that closed for like 20 grand or something. Yeah, for like just like a whatever one with like not working AC and like a screwed up interior. Dude, there was a red one that had like completely mismatched paint on the front end, assuming for collision damage, and it went for nine grand. Like it was a nothing special oh early model two door three twenty five i manual. And so it's like, like on paper, mm-hmm. you get why E thirty would go for that much because right. it's like okay, like like a sports coupe, independent suspension all around, inline six, manual transmission, German. Durable, reliable. Great. Yeah. It's durable, it's reliable. It has the forward opening hood. Yes. Like, that was the last generation that did that, and then every other generation after that, you could tell sucked because they well, didn't do that. The E34 technically um, outlasted that. It went until 95 well, with yeah, the forward and, well, opening you know, hood. Of three series. Right, right, yes. But yep. uh, when, you, when you look at the, the Corolla, uh, especially the A86, mm-hmm. on paper... Does not make sense. Okay, how do you figure? <laughs> all right, it, it is a four-cylinder mm-hmm. engine only, but not a six, which is like whatever. That's fine. There's been plenty of great four-cylinders in the world, but it only makes 116 horsepower at the very most. Yeah, but what does it weigh? It, it, like 2,000 pounds. Exactly. Um, and this four-cylinder but, engine is it mounted transversely? Yes, it is. And it goes to a live axle. No, it's mounted longitudinally. I was setting you up to correct me away from the front wheel drive stuff. Oh shit! I'm sorry. I think you said right. was a lot. Was it longitudinal? That's I was right. half listening to. You. No, you've you've uh, not been awake long, to, so you're forgiven. I wanted I wanted to get more <laughs> to the fact that it has a uh, live axle in the rear. Sure does. Uh, Basically, an F body. Yeah, it, it's got live axle in the rear. It, it's you know it was built to a price point. You know, it is very good for that price point, but yeah, like I, I'm the I love Toyota, and I will be the first person to tell you that an E30 interior is objectively better. But well, I mean, yeah, look at what they cost at the same time, so that makes perfect exactly, sense. Exactly, exactly. But this is the thing: is while the A86 on paper doesn't make sense to be the almost to a penny the same price as the E30. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, more expensive than E30 in most situations. Uh, 
once you get a driving experience of both cars, you begin. It makes sense. So a lot of people that don't understand like A86s. They go, oh, haha! You just spent twenty thousand dollars on a Corolla because of an anime, which is right. True. I hear that all the time. Yeah, like, haha! It, congrats. That, it is, that is that is true, but you also get one of the best driving experiences of a Corolla that were ever made, and not just of a Corolla. Of really, I was going to say it's not just the Corolla. I mean, that's a lightweight, it, reliable front-engine rear-wheel drive manual platform. One of the all-time. I would say it's one of the all-time best front-engine rear-wheel drive sports coupes. I haven't driven one, so I really can't comment on it. But I would, I would 100%, if you ever get a chance to drive, it's not like a Honda, it's like a Honda, where it's like, if you drive like a beat-up one, you're like, what the hell? But if you drive a really, if you drive one that's like well-sorted, you Well, let's find one locally that's nice, and I'll trade them a drive in an E30 for it, just so I can experience. Alright, yeah, I think... (laughs) I know a couple of people in town that have them. I don't know of any very clean ones. Well, it doesn't need to be very clean. But, I just want like a mechanically yeah. objective example so I can compare. Yeah, it. but they're uh, they're just one of those cars where it's like, in the same way as the E30, you can drive it to you can drive it to your limit as a driver, mm-hmm. and the car will be reaching its limit at about the same time. And as you progress as a driver, that car will be able to handle around how you do it. it's a very well balanced car mm-hmm. so the car doesn't have the car is not like you know driving a bugatti where it's like at no point will you ever reach the actual limit of this car right but on it's also not like you know a fox body where you're going to be like you're probably going to die because you're going to push you'll be able to push this car far beyond its limit well especially this considering the library axle too i mean that's actually kind yeah. of impressive otherwise i would compare yeah. it kind of the, to the frs brz you know where they deliberately fitted these garbage tires to it just so you could get to the limit yeah and it, it's kind of, they were trying to get it closer to that feeling of the a86 um but so the a86 is only one of several very good toyotas because the sr5 the base model the only one that you can get that's under ten thousand dollars these days mm-hmm. um that one's still using the i think it's like the three tc engine it's the engine from like the 1970s cars oh um, uh, yeah i'm not up on the designations pre like 1987 yeah it, it was like let me just double check what that is uh um, once you learn toyota's engine syntax yeah. it makes perfect sense <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I know exactly what that is. It was, it, was a, it was a 4A, uh, not a 4AG, but it's a 4AC. But I can't I mean, like, what the it, C it, meant, because every, every G, G meant uh, uh, Yamaha, yeah. and then E was injection. So that makes sense. Yes. So the 4AC uh, would be the 74 horsepower carbureted four-cylinder. Nice. Which... It was not exciting. Um, <laughs> so did so, they do a GC a... version for a twin cam with carb or no? No, they didn't do that. Okay. Um, so, but they did do a twin cam carbureted version in previous models. Oh. But I mean, so that's the thing is when you get back to that 4AC engine, mm-hmm. you're then getting basically a modern body style wrapped around every previous Corolla. Because every other previous Corolla made about 80, 90 horsepower. Right. Um, and so, like, a really, really good one, the one that I actually I kind of want to talk about some of the ones from the 70s, because 
while you can get the uh, TE27, which is like the iconic like peanut and mango Corollas, uh, those are that's what they're called. The peanuts because they're they're stubby and they look like a peanut, and the mango is longer and usually yellow. And it looks like a mango. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. But, I actually know exactly what you're talking about now. <laughs> yeah. Now you know. Um, <laughs> Just makes me think of Power Cruise. <laughs> those are great cars but they've also been a known quantity like as popular as the a86 for as for longer than the a86 it's actually kind of hard to find them you can find them in um the pacific northwest and these are like the corollas that were like the 1970 to like 74 the t27s was that like the first generation corolla we got in the states it's it's actually the second okay because the first generation we got was the um it was called the E10 generation, mm-hmm. and those were very different. Uh, those are 1966 and 1970. God, uh, surprising me, Toyota's been in the country that long. <laughs> yeah, well, th- that was the car where it's like when it first came here, nobody really paid attention, and it kind of started to kick ass to take names. And it didn't really. It was like one of those things where it's like you could get a very very good car for not a lot of money if okay. you got the E10 Corolla back in the 60s. Where it was like about as good as a Datsun 510, except it had like a live axle in the rear, uh, and like a 65 horsepower engine. You can only get a 3K engine, but I mean, like it, it, it was a very, very fun car to drive, just with a small engine. Well, I could see that too. Like, a lot of the live axle issues come from power. So if you start getting yep. wheel hop or axle tramp or wrap and stuff like that, like you're not going to get any of that with 65 horsepower. Exactly, and so by that kind of like early 60s like the Datsun 510 came out like towards the end of the E10 Corolla mm-hmm. and that was like obviously a step above the E10 mm-hmm. but bef- the e- the E20 the the 70s one where they really came about and that's when everybody started buying them in the in America during the fuel crisis like that's the one right. from that, uh, that's the one from that 70s show not your dad's um, Corolla well technically yeah. it is so while the E10 Corolla had a 65 horsepower engine that was like still kind of fun, but it was like still piss slow. Mm-hmm. Um, the literally the slowest possible engine that you could get for the uh, TE27 Corolla mm-hmm. was the 3KH engine, which was like the carbureted eight valve over it overhead valves, like super oh. smogged up version that made like 55 horsepower. I did like that was the worst one you could possibly get. I don't but we didn't even get that other, I was gonna say I don't remember any OHV engines from Toyota, like ever. So well that's the thing, it's actually uh yeah, the three K engines. So it was like the public cut in this had the three K. Huh. But um yeah, in America we got a seventy three horsepower version of that engine. Well bigger is better in America. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you can see like it went from like sixty five to seventy three horsepower for that, but then the one to get, however, was the two TC. Okay. And the two T engines, the T the T family of engines, those are like the first really good engines that you can get in the Corolla. And that made 102 horsepower. Dang. In a car, car that, that light, that would have been yeah, that would have been pretty good. Soaking wet with every option in the car, you would get the car would weigh two thousand and six pounds. <laughs> oh. Like with everything in the world on it. Uh, the most desirable engine, the one you really want, would be uh, the uh, 2TG. 
Okay, so G probably had a better cylinder head, judging by yeah, that. Yeah, that was the dual red cam Yamaha cylinder head, twin side ref carburetors, oh, eight yeah. valves per cylinder, 115 horsepower. Dang. Gnarly. Uh, and also... <laughs> what year was that? That was, uh, like, the early 70s. Wow. Like, the, the 2TG engine was... I feel um, like Formula cars didn't have engines that good in that time. <laughs> no, and Toyota was putting it in the Corolla. That was uh, produced <laughs> 1970 to 1983. Wow. They made that engine. Uh, and if you Google the 2T-G engine, that is my favorite looking four-cylinder. Oh, I think we've made. actually discussed... Yes, we've discussed this before. That has yeah, like the shortened... A- is that a shortened version of the 2000 GT engine? Because the valve cover no. looks exactly the same. It's very, very, very similar. Because it okay. was uh, also Yamaha cylinder head based off that. Um, let me look at what that is. Because that was in the... Toyota Corona. That's a beautiful that, engine. The, yeah, because the Toyota Corona used that um, shortened 2000 GT engine. And that was actually... Let's see here. Um, That's super cool looking. I wish I could show the viewers, but uh, it's just this internet connection is not going to handle that. I think it was like still a P-series engine. Oh, no, that was an early R-series engine. That's what that was. Ooh, okay. So that, that Corona engine was super cool. Mm-hmm. was actually the same family... As those pickup motors. Sorry, as, as the original Corolla engine. Yeah. So, but anyway, when you start getting into these engines, so this is obviously where the Corolla became, like, the sleeper king, where it was super cool. And the good engine that you can get in America was the SR5. Mm-hmm. And so, as I said, in the A86, the base model was called the SR5. So... That the SR5 kind of that was in the 1970s. That was your performance model of your Corolla, mm-hmm. um, and it was objectively a very very cool car. Because like you know in America where it's like you could have a Camaro with 140 horsepower, or you say. could have a Corolla with 102. Like right. I would take the Corolla. And as, yeah, I'm sure the weight light, the power to weight has got to be the same or better in the Corolla and oh, double the fuel economy. A lot better. Yeah. Well, I mean it weighs ha- less than half as much. Oh my god. Um. So then about uh, 1974, they started working in... It's, the 70s are super weird for everything because there's this huge overlap between the E20 and the E30 generation. So the T27, like, technically lasted as a wagon and a van until 1978. Oh, my God. Well, the coupe and sedan uh, last until 74 when they were replaced with the E30. Um, and the E30 Corollas kind of looked funky like they were definitely like 70s styled and mm-hmm. honestly i think that they're one of those cars that like can kind of pull off their weird look uh, toyota handled the malaise pretty well there aren't that many yeah, manufacturers they, where 70s cars no. looked tolerable yeah like the worst that they got i would say would be the te52 liftback Corolla, hmm. which was the hatchback Corolla, okay. and that's actually my favorite one of, of all the is. E30s. <laughs> well, because this is the thing, because like the the T fifty two, um, it, it's like so frumpy and everything looking like it's almost endearing. You know? Okay, yeah, it's uh, it's the ugly duckling, but yeah, it's like uh, you're the mother's those, love, Ryan. What were those uh, early eighties? The one that Trigg has. What body style Mercedes is that? Oh, he's got a W123. Yeah, it's like the W123, where it's like, when you compare that to the generation before it, like, it and looks after frumpy. It. Yeah. Yeah, and after it, it definitely looks frumpy, but it's, like, endearingly frumpy. 
Yeah, that's the car you look at for a while, like, ooh, jeez. And then you want one, like, a couple years later. Yeah, that's and that's exactly what the TE-52 uh, does to me. Like, mm. I, I look at it and go, Jesus! And then I, like, I think about it after the fact. And then, like, even with, like, the, the two-door version, like, the two-door coupe, mm-hmm. I'm, like, I kind of like the sloped back window. It looks kind of cool. And I like, think about the sedan. I'm, like, the sedan is just, like, so gangly looking like it's just like the, the center part's too long it's but it, 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 like, works. It, lo- it, it just looks weird um no so the more you like think about that you're like this is just such a weird looking car but you're also like you know kind of you lower it that's kind of cool so if you're wondering what the e30 looks like in your head eric that's that generation that you almost bought that one time oh, okay yeah i remember asking you about that when i got offered it on trade from Brainerd, and I think it yeah. had it had an interior. I probably would have done it, but yeah, it is like that. That one is kind of rough. But me, like, so those you'd have your normal one. What that guy probably had was like the sixty horsepower, like four K. Yeah, you said it was terrible. Yeah. I know it was carbed, but yeah, so the K series, the Toyota K engines, were <sighs> not anything to not anything like about. the Honda K engines. No, very, very different. This whole segment um, has really harped on our old ambiguity and automotive designations episode. <laughs> yeah, K-Series exactly. E30. <laughs> yeah, K-Series can mean one of two things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the K-Series, um, that engine also would be used in um, the Toyota Starlet, mm-hmm. which is the secret greatest hot hatch ever. All you have to do is just take the engine out because Toyota accidentally put the wrong engine into it. Because <laughs> what Toyota did is they put the K-Series engine to the Starlet, which is like a mini Corolla. Mm-hmm. And it made like 65 horsepower at most. But it's if you ideal. just directly drop in the T-Series engine, it immediately goes to like 100 horsepower, right? And it and probably then you does put drop in a... right in because Toyota Tinker Toys. Yeah, and then if you like, to put a rotary into it it takes up even less space and it now makes like 150 horsepower so that's where kind of these cars like people started to notice that you can make some power on these because they noticed that these little frumpy engines could just be swapped in with the better engines right and then they start getting like really really quick um if you're looking for a vintage corolla the e30 e50 generation is definitely the way to go for getting bang for your buck. I was going to say, yeah, probably just for value, so you don't have that cachet and overpaying from the initial D type of stuff. Exactly. And you could actually, if you want to import one, uh, the uh, TE37 uh, Toyota 11 Coupe. Oh, not the Volk TE37? Yeah, I know, right? That's where the (laughs) Volk name came from. Okay. The TE37 11 Mm -hmm. actually looks pretty damn cool if you want to google that for yourself and take a look at the front end of that that car looks good for like if you think about like 1970s this had 124 horsepower dual rate cam carb had the 2tg engine manual transmission rear wheel drive that thing Uh, lowered would be pretty sweet yeah it's a very good car and that's actually between the 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 te37 those were the cars so like if you watch like the initial d like series bunta Takumi's dad talks about like the old days like racing like Kaido racers and stuff that's what they were racing were cars like that hmm. um, that's when racing was probably super fun because you couldn't get into trouble <laughs> well I suppose you could yeah. with 110 horsepower in a super light car well, you, can get, you, can get how, you can get into trouble with that big time um, <laughs> so moving into the generation after that is actually this one 
along with the T27, is also tied for my most likely to buy Corolla is the E70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the E70s are possibly some of the boxiest vehicles in the world. Um, <laughs> if you want to look up, the one I'd be looking at would be the T72 hardtop coupe. Because um, they actually had a, a two-door sedan and a hardtop coupe. And a okay. four-door sedan and a wagon. Which shows you that the Toyota Corolla was selling like hotcakes back then. Do you like the earlier one with the round headlights or the later one with the rectangular seal beams? Uh, if it's the the T seventy two, yeah, that would. Uh, this one I like a little bit worse than the twenty seven. Oh wait, oh, okay, sorry about that. The, yeah, they did have those. Um, honestly, I don't care. I okay. think they're both endearing in their own way. <laughs> um, I would do the square headlights probably because the whole the rest of the car is square. Okay. But I mean, I wouldn't be mad about the dual round headlights. Um, it's kind of on the the edge because it's got the you know the round dual headlights with the grill from the '70s yeah. in Toyota, but it's been adapted to like the '80s style. That is really a, a transition car. It reminds yeah, me of like a is. late W123 where they were really starting to put some W124 blood into them. Like, oh okay. Yeah, this is the generation right before the A86, and actually, the engines that we had, we had the 4AC and the 3TC engine. So this is, you could have the eight valve pushrod carbureted 75 horsepower engine or the 90 horsepower single overhead cam eight valve. Um, and the four AC would be the engine that would go into the SR five a 86. But in Japan, of course they get all the better stuff. Could you get the three T in there? Uh, or sorry, the two yeah, T the two T G E U now. So now it's got fuel injection, injection, 115 horsepower, which is a little bit less, but you could, um, actually build more power in the long run with it and also more importantly uh although you could not get the turbocharged version in that you could get the turbocharged version in the celica of that same year oh jeez. which yeah that made uh, 160 horsepower while Oof. passing very strict emission standards and it had a water cooled turbocharger too which is oh jeez, cool. nice wow so, yeah I, i'm surprised this cool. even existed yeah yeah because well, back then you were pretty much looking at only oil cooled, and oil cooled works, but they uh, they don't last very long. It would, it would cook Not your back oil in that day. Quickly. Yeah, oh, I suppose no, oils yeah. were terrible back too in the yeah. Century. It would really cook your oil, so you needed a water cooled. So you actually would have like a pretty cool car available to you, and with a little bit of tinkering, could make it an extremely cool car. Um, so this is the last year we could get the pillarless hardtop coupes uh, available in America. Um, and then event, then they'd move on to the A86 after that. Um, the E70 is super, super, super popular um, with a, the Puerto Rican community, actually, because this is kind of like the the cheapest, best Corolla that you could get. Well, it's still, yeah, it's still uh, rear-wheel drive, and you might not be paying quite as much for the, uh, the mark as you would for an E86, one of the later cars. That makes sense. Exactly. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they they still weigh nothing. They're still a blast to drive. On several accounts, I've almost purchased these. And they you could put a rotary ex- in it if you actually yep, live in Puerto can. Rico. <laughs> uh, they are almost exclusively, whenever you find these, they're almost always brown. I've hmm. yet to see a sedan that is not brown. Yeah, all the pictures like on Google Images, the sedans and wagons are all brown. <laughs> like, I've only seen it in brown. Like, I, I, supposedly you could get it in, like, red and other colors, but I've never personally seen that. I think that's all just a big myth. Um, 
They're just not real. That Mako. doesn't exist. They're all brown. They only came in brown. It's the one color you get. Brown and um, Yeah. <laughs> God, what a Malaise so, color. Yeah, it was definitely a Malaise color. It was Malaise era. And, yeah, no, it makes uh, sense. Honestly, I'm not faulting uh, it for that. This car would be the best thing that you could probably get in 1979 in the world. I would probably, I would feel safe saying that. If you got the Japanese 2T GEU in 1979, that would probably be the greatest vehicle in the world. Road car? Yeah, probably. You're right. I'm thinking of, you know, what was available with competition in 79, and, like, everyone else was either SOHC or, like, Mercedes had a really, really good DOHC6, but it was a two-valve engine still. But, like, would that be fun to drive? Like, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, a manual, it would be a four-speed at that time, but yeah, four-speed 280. Okay, so you could get a manual. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's so like Mercedes 280 with the manual. You can get this, which is, like, a lot less. And probably and a lot of, better to drive. I can't think of anything else that was any good to it's drive. 79, God, like RX-7? Maybe. Like, yeah, RX-7, I guess. Yeah, yeah. okay. But it's not, it's not going to last, so, yeah, okay, you can have a fling with that car, this, but... Yeah, this an RX seven, uh, you could have the Mercedes. You had the second generation CBCC, which is kind of like the ugly duckling of the Civics because it wasn't as good as the first gen and not as good as the third gen, so like, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be as good. I, I think this might be the best car in the world, like the best affordable car that you could buy. Well, something and, that will, yeah. I, I mean, it's always so subjective what we're talking about. But yeah, a car that you well, can actually like, own and drive. Because what was the three series that was in that time? That was the awful like the E twenty one or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just. A, and in the rest of the world, car. you got a five speed and a, a, a stout two point three liter six cylinder, but not in the rest of the world. And yeah, like America, is, where we got a small yeah. gear at one point eight, like it was not and great. I think the only other vehicle I'd even consider other than this would be a Starlet nineteen seventy nine. Then mm-hmm. again, also, another Toyota. Yeah, basically just this but smaller. Um, so. This is like the peak of the Corolla's like experience in the world being rear-wheel drive because mm-hmm. they made it in a two-door sedan, a four-door sedan, a two-door hardtop, a three-door liftback, a three-door station wagon, a five-door station wagon, a three-door van, and a five-door van. <laughs> they made every version of this car you could possibly think of. The only thing that they didn't make from the well, I want the car, but I really want a two-door wagon. Well, good news. <laughs> Don't you worry, it's a wagon and you can't get in the back. It's a two door wagon. <laughs> My coworker loves so, two door wagons. I'm like, you're dumb. <clears throat> I love two door wagons. They're stupid. But, like, that's why I love them because I know they're stupid. Um, then the generation after this, you had the car just got unnecessarily sexy when they made the A86. Um, I don't know if I'd call an A86 sexy, but. If you look at the E70. Well, and yeah, okay, fine. Up, as by that is contrast, unnecessarily sexy. <laughs> um, so, but that's this is the thing is while the A eighty six was great, you have to understand that that was not the main Corolla, because the main Corollas of the E eighty series mm-hmm. were the front wheel drive ones. Oh sure, yep. Because oh, they yeah. made, and so, but don't worry, the front wheel drive ones are actually still really cool though. Just they blew ass compared to the. The A86, because they're so much better um, in every single way, and have easy to overshadow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're 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 just better. Um, but yeah, so you would have the 130 horsepower 4 AG EU. That was the peak of it in the A86 in Japan. Um, 
and then you would also get the front-wheel drive ones, which we think of as sucking a lot, because the vast, vast majority did a lot. <laughs> um, but you could actually get, in America, the Chevy Nova Twin Cam, oh. which was a 4AGE in the front-wheel drive Corolla with a manual. Oh, yeah. really? Was that like and a... They, like a, co- a, a collab car? Yeah, the Chevy Nova was a was a uh, imported a captive import Corolla. Well, that's kind of cool. In the 80s. I actually had no but, idea. And there you go. And you could actually get it with the 4HEE. Um, and then Toyota actually had a much better looking version of it called the Toyota Corolla GT Twin Cam, which is. The I said we didn't get that though. No, it was a, I, it was identical to the to the nova we got but it had uh arrow headlights instead of oh the so it's better dual steel beams and a much better looking grill it had really cool looking like arrow fan wheels on it of course it was super no wonder cool. you love this like, car so much <laughs> yeah it had like the front air dam at the bottom underneath the bumper it looked like an rx7 air dam it was hmm. pretty rad hmm. um that's pre-modified so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. And then you also, at the end of that era, in 87, 88, you get the Corolla FX-16. I remember Which is those, a Corolla yeah. front-wheel drive hot hatch, which I would say at that point in time, before Toyota really kind of shit the bed on this, the FX-16 GTS mm-hmm. was a better hot hatch than the Civic Si at that point in time. Wow, I'm surprised. Just purely due to chassis. Yeah, because, I mean, the Civic Si was 106 horsepower. The FX-16 was 116 horsepower. They weighed almost the exact same. They both had independent front and rear suspension. Um, but the Civic yes, looked Civic, better. The Civic did look better and did have more advanced uh, suspension. But I think stock for stock, the FX-16 would be a better car. And I would say as a car today, between a EF Civic and FX16. Actually, no, would, would it be F? No, sorry. Between a third generation Civic and FX16, I still think the FX16 would be a better bet because you're gonna get in a lower price point for pretty much the same car. Right, so. that makes sense. But when was the last time you saw that Civic and that Corolla? You see yeah, so it, many Civics and you don't see a single FX16. Because after, immediately after that, they shit the bed and they got rid of the FX-16. Right. And, and then Corolla kind of... got worse. I mean, the AE-101, was that directly after that? It was a great car, but... But you actually had the E-90 uh, that was after that. Okay. And that would be a little bit closer to the FX-16. Um, and the E-90 was the first fully front-wheel drive body style of the Corolla. as at 87 through 92. Okay. Um, and... <sighs> I mean, a lot of people like the shit on the E90. You can make an E90 actually pretty cool pretty easily, even if it's just a normal sedan. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, remi- reminder, they st- you could still get a 4AGE in them. And if you were clever, if you got the GTZ, um, I think was, that was FX16 that the GTZ was available, and you could get the supercharged Ooh, 4AGZ. That's really cool. horsepower. So yeah, I assume that's the 88 MR2 supercharger motor? Yes, it is. Okay. Um, and actually, they had a really cool five-door liftback, which we got as a Geo Prism here. Oh, yep. I remember um, seeing those. Yeah, those weird, like, kind of rounded rear-end liftbacks. They those didn't look good cool. stock, but you could make one look good, I think. I think... It was better looking than the Wagavan, for sure. Yeah, I think that with, a, that with um, like, some coilovers on it and some decent wheels, like, that'd be a, that'd be a looker of a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also got the Corolla Sport GTS, which is like a front-wheel drive flip-up headlight, like, 
you can say I got a crawl GTS and then let everybody down when they look at it. It's not an A86. <laughs> uh, an 80s Corolla GTS. <laughs> yeah, like it's a AE92. It's a cool car. It's not as cool as it is a A86. You don't don't fool yourself into it. It's 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 fine. It, it's a fine car. It, it they look cool, but I mean at the same time you're going to be driving that around for the rest of your life going, God, I could have had an A86. Uh-huh. Damn it. So, uh, <laughs> then you had the AE101, which was cool. Uh, we all know that. Well, it's that, the most reliable uh, car in the entire world ever. So that's what makes that car cool. Yes. And you could also get a high roof van version of it. Yikes. Where you could pretty much stand up in the rear. It like the Pope mobile, but like you could just buy it normally. And you could get a four-wheel Somebody was looking at race. a Stanza wagon. Yeah, all the stuff we didn't get here, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, somebody was looking at Stanza Wagon, they're like, let's make this for the 90s, and then they just made that. Um, <laughs> yeah, they were fine. I mean, what was cool about the AE101 is now every single car had a variant of the 4AG in it, mm-hmm. so the the clever person would get the 1.8 liter 7A FE, and then get a 4AGE cylinder head from MR2 and stick that on, and that'd be a 7AGE uh, kind of block. Mm-hmm. I think those make those make like 160 horsepower, like before you even supercharge them. Once you supercharge them, they make like stock like over 200. Well, I know so, the, there was a popular was it the 5 EFTE swap and those two. I thought it was yes, a, the, was it factory 1.6 turbo. Oh, the uh, 3S GTE. No, I don't. I'm not talking about the 3S. I'm talking about that other older derivative engine. But there was a. It wasn't sold in the AE101. It was sold in like a Paseo or something like that. But there was a factory. Maybe it was a 1.4. If there was a, there was was... a turbocharged Paseo, that would be the dirtiest car in the world. Oh, yeah. I'd you could get a factory turbo Paseo. I want that. I've never wanted a car more than that now that I know that exists. In fact, yeah. I think I knew that exists and I forgot. Oh, man. Um, and they're not expensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's a Paseo. Actually... <laughs> So, same thing with these AE101s. These are kind of like, if you want a really cool, like, 90s Toyota, like a 90s car, and you don't want to invest any money at all into it, get yourself, like, a manual AE102 wagon, and then with a 1.8 with a 7A FE engine, mm-hmm. and then put a 4HEE cylinder head on it, and you will have the world's cheapest thrill. Because that would cost you all in... <laughs> Three grand for the best one in the world. Okay, it's a four E F T E. The four E four E F T E. Yep. So we got it in a Paseo, and it was also a Starlet GT engine. Okay. Yeah. So those I like okay. those, but yeah, they're cheap and they hold. Yeah, they hold. Oh, that's actually super cool. Yeah, hundred and thirty-five horsepower. That'd mm-hmm. be a blast. Oh yeah, they're super cool. So anyway, do that at some point, but neither here nor there. Or you could do that in a Toyota Sarah and get those cool gold. Oh doors. yeah, yeah, that's probably drop in too. Yes, that would be a drop in swap. That'd be uh, very rad. Um, <laughs> Dirty another thoughts. Co- Dirty thoughts. Another really cool thing about the AE one hundred ones is you would have they localized the hell out of these cars. There's so many different versions of these. Like in New Zealand, like you can get the AE one hundred one R, which looked like a five-door version of a 318 ti oh weird like but it was a corolla so it was reliable and good yeah it was like reliable and good and they had like a corolla 1.6 si in germany which is a (laughs) three-door hatch then they had like 
the Corolla um, executive liftback. Yeah, we talk about brand fragmentation so these fun. days. Toyota had it covered. It, well, I mean, like, <laughs> you have to understand, like, so the E70 was, like, the peak of, like, Toyota selling cool cars, like, just objectively cool cars for everyone. Mm-hmm. This was, like, when Toyota really just dominated the earth with Corollas. There's more of these AE101s in the world than anything else. Um, and, yeah, these were, like, one of those cool cars that you could just, like, find for nothing. And then you can get a Heckam blend for it because that came on the higher trim levels in America. And then, oh, hey, yeah. maybe if you want to get, like, a rear fog, well, you can get that off the European versions. Right. And you get all sorts of different, like, weirdo parts from around the world. Like, and they, they're cockroach cars, much... so there's parts cars everywhere. Yeah, like, and there's so much, like, cool stuff for this. It's, like, there's as much variation for this car as there is for, like, an EFEGEK Civic. And this one won't get stolen. It is worse <laughs> in every way. But it, this one won't get stolen. And it's cheap. Um, so then after this, they kind of went downhill. Uh, the AE-110, or the E-110 kind of sucked. Uh, yeah, there's nothing good about that. Uh, the E-120, you could get a 2ZZ FE in the XRS version. 2ZZ that GE, was... yeah. Oh, did I say FE? I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, GE. Yeah, that was the cool one. And then Six-speed manual only. That is a cool car. Yeah, that is actually a cool car. Then you had the E150, which sucked. Nothing good there. Um, then you have the E210, and that's the current one. And now they're getting cool again. Yeah, six-speed manual. Yep, blue hatchback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those, Actually, those are pretty cool. cool. Mm-hmm. So that's the history of the Corolla. The ones to buy, uh, if you have no money, the AE101. Uh, if you want a rear-wheel drive car and still have no money, the E70. If you want a good value for money uh the e30 e50 uh if you have a lot of money get the te27 and a86 and if you want something that's just very 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 old you can get the first generation the e10 and if you want something you you can lease get the new one there you go there's a cool corolla for everyone just don't buy it from anywhere near the 2000s <laughs> yet another carbitrage top tip there you go yeah i think i think it's a top tip yeah just don't buy it from the 2000s you're not gonna find Late a, 2000s. Find a xrs you're, yeah you're not, you're not gonna, gonna find, find an xrs, XRS. No. they exist but don't don't count on it yep so. if you do buy it of course but yeah Sorry. yeah yeah but don't count on it Anyway, so let's remember move on to the news. when uh, Fiat Chrysler turned into a Star War or Star Star Trek? God, people are going to kill me. Star, Star Trek episode, <laughs> yeah, where they became really. Stellantis. <clears throat> yes. Um, the good news about that is the other half of this equation. Mm-hmm. These all companies we like. So we have Fiat and we have Peugeot Citroen. Yes. So they're merging, creating this giant monopoly, which is probably going to end horribly. But anyway, they are thinking about killing the Infinity brand which you and I both hate for no other reason at least but their naming. Yeah, I, I, I used to actually like Infinity a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Back in the mid-2000s, like, they were great. Yeah, like in the mid-2000s, before we found out how terrible the, the VQ, VQ was. Are, the VQ? VQ, sorry, the VG. That's right, you're still bad. waking up. Yeah, the VQ's... The, v, the VQ is actually a, a, a cool engine up until all their timing chains started exploding. Yep. Um, and then they in had a vacuum in 2004, that, they were great. 
Yeah, and then also the Infinity M30 in the 90s. Actually, Infinity in the 90s kicked ass. Well, even the they, i30, it was like, whoa, you could get a BG30. They didn't make a bad car in the 90s. That's true. Like, they literally did 45 was cool. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, even their G20, it wanna... had an SR20 in it. I was like, okay. <laughs> and also, like, I really want to talk about the M30. That is the greatest like luxury car sleeper. It is a uh, it's a Nissan Leopard that was brought to America with an updated front end. You could just slap on the Japanese front end. You could put in an RB because they were sold with RBs in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are so cool, and you can get them for nothing, and nobody bought them because they're like super boxy. Looking. Those were the cash for conquer cars for sure. Yeah, and that was, if you can find one of those, that is a car. Oh, my God. That's like probably my favorite Nissan sold in America. So Wow. Uh, Damn. All right. I, I think I think right now, yeah, because, like, the 240 is obviously, the 240, any of the yeah, 240s. The cars, they're, yeah, chassis cars. They're all better. The S chassis or the, the S chassis or the, um, the they're both, the, the 240Z or the 240SX, both better cars, but not for the price that you're going to have to pay for it. Right. I think that, at, once you include price point, the M30 has to be the best. Well, and good Z's are stratospheric now. now too, so it's what what, what, it's do you, what choice do you them. have? <laughs> yeah, your only choice is to get either a, a 280ZX, which you'll pay too much for, or get an M30 and just look for one forever. So I think I go with the M30. Fair enough. Anyway, so um, so anyway, Infinity they're they're thinking about sucks. killing Infinity, which is whatever, fine, but they're thinking of swapping it out with another brand and this is one we actually talked about months ago the new ds brand that they're launching Bet. the all electric french stuff so i'll get the guillotine yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll make one today just kill go it. into my backyard kill just do it, it. get rid of infinity which is a horrible fragmented unfathomable product line and replace it with a bunch of awesome french evs yeah, that yeah, that it's makes perfect. no sense to keep Infinity alive. It's uh, like exactly. garbage brand these days, mm-hmm. and they've completely broken the brand. Like, yeah, they're not nobody's selling. Even, so, what's the point? Nobody, nobody has mentioned the naming. I, I don't, I don't understand how that's possible. I mean, people like, I don't haven't brought it up with Lincoln nobody, either. Like, nobody has mentioned that naming. Like, the brands where it's like you can't tell what you're buying. So, I had somebody at work, like, well, when I worked in public because now i own my house i don't work in public anymore um <laughs> but um he's like i oh, came in he's like i own an infinity he like pauses he goes q 50 like he paused and then he questioned himself and the guy like <laughs> a car that he owns and uses every day and even he and, and, like, is so confused and, so, and this is the thing is the guy was wearing like, a camaro t-shirt so it's like He's, like, at least at some level car literate. Right. Because, like, you don't just, like, go out and buy a Camaro t-shirt. Like, you're going to probably not be a wonderful person to talk to about cars with. But you'll at least be somewhat car literate, enough to be able to figure out what the hell you drive. Right. And, like, he had to sit there and pause and look outside and go, Q. And then <laughs> it was, like, the weirdest pause. Like, this thing is, like, nobody talks about that. Like, but that's what killed Infinity. Yeah, I don't, well, that and VQ chains, but. I mean, that's the thing is, well, timing chains has, haven't stopped anybody, because, I mean, people still buy Tiguans. But, yeah, that's um, true. Oh. But, I mean, like, the thing that killed it is the fact that, like, you see, you, you drive your friend's car, and you like it, and you're like, oh, this is so fun, what is it? And you like, it's a Q50. And you, like, go to the dealership, and you can't remember what it is, go. I, I drove something with a Q, well, like, I oh, that's like, our entire model line. 
a QX30? I and then they take you out to this little shitty X. crossover. Like, no, 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 yeah, no. It's a sedan. Like, no, like no, oh, it must have been never, a Q. Yeah. Never mind. I'm just going to go buy a Lexus. Can you imagine like, the literacy training that an Infinity salesperson must go through and be tested on just to make sure they know what models they're trying to sell? Oh, my God. It would be awesome. It would be awesome to get a copy of that and look through it because I bet it's just and then, dreadful. And then the, the worst part is, is, like, you know that they have different trim levels for each one of these cars. Oh, no. What are the trim levels? <laughs> like... <laughs> Is it one, two, three? Or are they all just called premium? Q50 or did they do like, Stratosphere. Or did, did they do what uh, <laughs> Kia did for the first generation of the Kia Soul where they gave it, I'm not even exaggerating, different punctuation marks. What? The first, the first generation Kia Soul, you had the exclamation mark. I think you had the hashtag. Oh. I think you had like a... You had like a question mark or get backslash or something I don't like, like that yeah like, just give, give me like lx dx vx i don't know what those mean <laughs> seriously everyone should just like, adopt that crap it's like it's the, even in chevy like oh i got the the 2lt i'm like great is that yeah. good i got the sxt yeah well that was just invented that's, to make people think they were getting that, a better deal with their yeah, base like, model I, I got the the ltz uh, yeah, when they when they fragmented it even more because it was always LSLT. Like I poor, I got the LSLT. Okay, I'm I'm boogieing. But then you know they brought out the Z71 and the LTZ, and then they started bringing option packages into those trim levels. Well, the Everything Z71 was the Z71 was an option package. No, it was All a trim things... on a lot of cars. Yeah, no, it is. But that trim is also an option package. Oh so, God. So that well, that's where it came from because oh, that's Z's, true. It was a suspension package at first. Yeah, yeah that's these are the suspension packages. So you would just buy the the whole trim level would be named after the suspension package that would come with, which would be like right. no help at all to the performance of the vehicle. Um, it just I have no idea. Like I've driven Z seventy one versus not Z seventy one Luminas, and I'm like, what what am I missing? Like, <laughs> what those Z thirty four? Or whatever they were, I don't know. I think the Luminos were Z34, or the Cavaliers and stuff were Z24. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We don't need to cover that. That's stupid. It, 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 yeah, but I mean, like, it's one of those things where it makes, like, no differences to, like, the actual handling of the vehicle. They, these, both of them handle like shit. I don't want to talk about any of that garbage anymore. That's but anyway, I, I would like to see a DS uh, brand replace Infinity's uh, well, of course. completely of French electric stuff would be awesome. And not only that, DS actually makes, like, sporty cars. Sporty cars than Infinity, <laughs> especially the like, Q fifty the and sixty, Q50. which I believe is the G Infinity. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Screw those cars. So let's move on because I want to talk about wheels. Okay. Because so Hayashi Racing, which is um, probably a company that makes something. They make wheels. Okay. Uh, they make the Hayashi Street. Um, I which Google is, this. yeah, if you Google what the Hayashi Street is, you, it's like the most iconic Japanese wheel of all time. Oh, yep. Yeah. It's so like when yep. you think of an iconic Japanese wheel, you basically think of a Hayashi Street. So they've been kind of marketing it by placing them on like literally the weirdest vehicles <laughs> uh, that you could think of. So I mean, like, it's a very late 70s looking performance wheel. Like, I pictured these having Cooper Cobra, whatever, GTs on them or something in the States. Yeah, no, I understand that. Um, here, one second. Uh, 
I'm going to just drop in a very, very large URL into the notes so you can take a look at some of these ads that they're posting up. So here's one. If you want to click on that one that I just threw in, the, in there. This yep. is a set of Hayashi streets oh my God. on a K pickup, which makes sense. Kind of, uh, right? The, the offset is so weird on these. <laughs> yeah, but, oh, dude, it gets weirder. So I'm going to delete that one. And so how about a set of Hayashi streets on a Auto Bianchi. Do you, you remember that Auto Bianchi from Auto Bianchi? Uh, from, yeah, Auto Bianchi. Now click that link that I just posted. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, why? The, the, yeah, but they look cool on there. They actually like fit. Like, I, mean, I, I well. don't like the white wall tire, but and the but offset. I mean, the, yeah, like, like the old ones have a dish to them. I like the dish, but the the flat face doesn't fit that style very well, in my opinion. Here, I, I think that the flat face, if you look at it on a Porsche, looks great. There's one on a Porsche. All right, I'm clicking. That oh, yeah, looks yeah that really looks good. really good. Mm-hmm. That looks super good. So here's one on a Nissan NV200. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fine. That's that so actually weird. That is so NV200 weird. Why, okay, cool, why right? are they doing this advertise, advertising oh, I'm not campaign? Quite done yet. <laughs> Look at this last one. What is this one on? And uh, I've... <clears throat> Oh, okay. That's a 69 Camaro? 60, yeah, 69 Camaro. Also, I'm going to say that the Hayashi Street on a 69 Camaro is the best wheel. I like these put. in a big size with dish. Those look really good. That looks. That is probably the best over 15-inch tall wheel that you could ever put on a Camaro. Mm-hmm. That is the absolute titties. Um, that it, it does seem like it fits uh, a wide uh, era of cars too. Like you could probably so, find a lot of modern vehicles that that still looks pretty good on. I've yet to find a car that a Hayashi Street doesn't look good on. Because they also even have a picture of a C3 Corvette with a Hayashi Street. I'm like, that looks amazing. If it could so, make a C3 Corvette not look like ass, I would be impressed. Yeah, it 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 honestly, I mean, it still looks like a C3 Corvette. But I mean, like at least the wheels look cool. <laughs> but this is the thing, though. So we have proven here in the last moment. That the Hayashi Street looks good on quite literally anything that they make a PCD for. Well, um, and they make them from I'm like sure 12 inch to at least 18, we saw in these ads. Uh, they make them, I think they go down to 10. <laughs> uh, what other like, wheel? Yeah, they're probably making for a Mini. I mean, they would look good yeah, on a like, first gen Mini. Look like what other, I can't think mini. of any other wheel that's made in that huge gamut of size. And then also width, like, with you can go from like two. Four, yeah. 4 inches to like <laughs> literally 15. So you can get like them for your two-wheel dolly and for your yeah. uh, Viper. Exactly. So the Hayashi Street, I think that wheel looks universally good, regardless of what vehicle you put it on. And so my question is, are there any other wheels that universally you can put it on any car in the world and it will look great? Yeah. Is there B- another BBS CH. The CH. That's the best-looking Which... BBS wheel. And uh, it fits quite literally any vehicle that you put it on. It makes anything look good. And That's a, they just happen wheel, to be light, very strong, and, of course, very expensive. But the downside of this wheel is they do not make them in any size smaller than 18-inch. Not so. Well, here, let's see. Land Cruiser. <laughs> I don't think you're going to find a Land Cruiser with CHs on it, but it would look good if you could find it. That would, you'd have to break out the Photoshop for that. Yeah, I'm sure that would look actually pretty cool. I mean, most but of the time they're on Porsches, BMWs, I would Audis. Say, 
I would say it's probably the best Euro wheel, like the best modern Euro wheel. Like that'd look good on any modern European vehicle. I think it would look good on older JDM stuff too, and it looks good on American cars. They look like, great on Model S's and things like that. Does that come in like a five by one hundred PCD? Oh, I'm sure it does. Yeah, you can, I've seen Here, these on so Subarus. WRX. Ooh boy, that does look good on a on a Subaru. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's weird. I mean, it's it's a it's actually a fairly rounded design, but it, it fits yeah, I, a lot I, of stuff. When I look at that design on its own, I absolutely hate it. Like, I it makes me want to puke. But when I see it on cars, like the right fitment, like that. That's well, a I mean, very, your style very and my style is very different, but I get it. <laughs> but no, I mean, like that's the thing is like that is probably one of the better looking high offset wheels I've seen. So I'm looking at it on a uh, eighth generation Legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they no. they handle being flat really well too. Yeah, like like a two thousand a two thousand ten Legacy basically. But a dished um, out one. Mm. No, that that one's that that's a high offset and it's just low it's offset got... is dish. Sorry, yeah, yeah, no, this one's like the the spokes stick out as far as the lip of the wheel does. Yeah, so that's like, high offset. Yeah, but yes, yes I, as you were saying, yes, they handle high offset yeah, really well. Yeah, this is probably the best looking high offset wheel. Um, you know, I would say that the Enki um, RPF one I think also looks good. People get that. I don't understand why people give that wheel so much shit. And, and on that same vein, I thought about putting in the OZ Superleggera because that's a really inoffensive wheel. In the 90s, I would have said Moda R6, because they fit literally everything, but, you know, really thin five-spokes don't look as good now as they did in the 90s. So that that's a wheel that's that true. really aged poorly. But a lot of these wheels that you and I are mentioning, the ones we picked specifically, have been around for a long time, and they still look good. So they've passed the test of time. I would also say the OZ Rally wheel. Yes, yeah, Any anything that's been on a race car or a rally car. I mean, there's tons of older stuff, too, that's been on, you know, 60s Lotus car, uh, race cars and stuff like that. Those look great. Yeah. Um, a lot of old OEM wheels, but, like, just for the sake of distilling it for the argument, I think we have two pretty good picks. Yeah, I, th- I think that the if you are looking for something that's larger, a BBS CH looks great on any modern vehicle, and I can't really fit that onto, like, older cars without looking like a Russian drug dealer. But I mean, yeah, the 18 inch is a problem for older vehicles. Any, any car where 18 inch wheel would work, I could not see a BBS, BBS CH being a problem. Right. Because I, right. I mean, I, let's see here. I'm just going to try one more car. BBS <laughs> CH Supra. Guys, let's see if I'm following a Supra. I'm sure they've done it. I mean, they would clearly fit the Gen 5 Supra because it's a BMW, but the 4, I th- they definitely made them in 114.3. You know, it looks like. Uh, it, it, it looks a little generic on a Mark IV, but not in a bad way. Like, it looks like OEM Plus in a Mark IV, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, I mean, they they did a factory BBS wheel set, but I think they were R... What were they? LMs, I think. Yeah, they were LMs, and those look pretty generic, too, on the I later I think BBS LM, I think, might be a better pit. Better I don't like the set. LM at all. You don't like that? Mm-mm. It's like uh, an OZ Fittipaldi or something. It's just it's a really stuck in time wheel design. They look fine on early '90s cars, but I'm not a fan. I guess of that, that would look a little goofy on like a modern BMW. Yeah, they, like, the style it really fits Angular cars better. They were great on E36s, but yeah, and Mark III Supras as I see here. But anyway, see, I think that yeah, I think you're right with the BBS CH uh, being a good, a very good pick, and the Hayashi Street. I think those are honestly, I can't think of anything else that works. 
universally as well. As you and I have looked at a lot of wheels, so it doesn't actually take yeah. that long to really get a gut reaction, and that was my gut reaction. So, is that that wheel looks pretty good? It's it's definitely not my my favorite wheel, but you can you can make that wheel work. Like you can make a look with that wheel. It's the same with the Hayashi Street. It's like you can. It's make just a weird that it fits so many like, very different designs so well. Yeah, like it, it like a BBSCH would fit as well on a Supra as it would on a Yaris. Mm-hmm. Like, or it would fit like, you know, that even like a Ranger almost. Like you if you lower put a, a branded center cap BBS in those wheels. Are, on a lot of cars, you wouldn't really know that that yeah, wasn't just an thinking, Oh, it's a performance version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's if you're going for more of an OEM plus look, or that's a great wheel for that. Like, and the Hayashi's got a lot of that, that same thing going on too. So yeah, I think that the Hayashi Street is like it's just such a generic like '70s design, but like it looks so much better. <laughs> and that's just one of those wheels that people like outside the Japanese world. People never really knew about them, mm-hmm. and I think that. Um, with younger generations getting into like you know muscle cars and stuff hayashi streets on like a thunderbird would look awesome so yes they would that's a very very good wheel so that's very fitting there we for go. the era so the hayashi street and the bbs ch those are the two <laughs> universally good wheels i'm fine with that i'm fine with yeah, that i'm fair i'm, I'm, I'm totally that. okay with that Anyway, right. I want to move on to one more topic here, and since we're at an hour, I'll split off the last two into the next one. But um, oh, I'm sure oh, you have seen the internet stuff. is all a buzz with the Gordon Murray Automotive, the GMA T50. Yeah. Um, so this is the true successor to the McLaren F1, not the McLaren mm-hmm. Senna, even though that's a pretty respectable car. I want to just talk over a few key points on this thing, and you're welcome to chime in at any point too. But I first clicked on this, I'm like, oh great, another supercar or whatever i click into it and i watch as a harry's garage segment uh with gordon murray doing a walk around and then also uh, autocar.co.uk did a really terrific write-up on it too um a few key points this thing weighs 2150 pounds wet it has 655 horsepower it is a naturally aspirated cosworth i think it's a three liter v12 with Very a 48-volt cool. electric system, and it has a starter-generator combination, which also is able to deliver up to 50 horsepower of addition. No, sorry, 50 kilowatts, so almost 70 you, horsepower. You missed, you missed the best part. Of oh, I'm, I'm not done yet, <clears throat> but if I, okay. if I skip over it, then... Yeah, I, will, I will interrupt you. <laughs> uh, it has no belt-driven accessories at all, so it's completely gear-driven cams and accessories. It uses an electric water pump, um, obviously, twin cam, four valves per cylinder, 65 degrees, NA. four? Lame. <laughs> Whatever. Cosworth. They could have made, made a five valve. Uh, they, well, they could have. Uh, Ferrari, 1.8T. Yeah. Um, like I said, it has that integrated 48-volt starter range. generator. 20 valve? Well, yeah, that that was the black top one, wasn't it? Or silver top? Black top. Black silver top. top. Yeah, silver. whatever. Silver top. If Toyota can do it, so can McLaren. <laughs> Um, it has an X-Track manufactured six-speed manual, which is the only transmission option for it. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, it has a crank height, so the distance off the ground of the center line of the crank of 100 and, I think, 40 millimeters. So a case fan above the ground is the center of the crankshaft. That's how short Jeez. the stroke is on this thing. Dry sump lubrication. Um, it's, it's a thing of beauty. Uh, passes emissions testing. It makes peak torque at 2,500 RPM. 
and it revs to 12,100 RPM. Yes. And, and no, the best thing is it will rev from idle to redline of 12,100 RPM in 0.37 seconds. That's amazing. Yeah, it was just double the climb rate of the McLaren F1. Everybody (laughs) that is, like, just, like, beating their meat to McLarens, (laughs) they don't understand why they ever would. They should be ashamed of themselves because this is what a McLaren should be. Yeah. What they're doing is they're just looking at garbage. Absolute Mm -hmm. pure trash. Modern McLarens suck. I've said it for years. Yep. I have literally two years of recordings of me every day pretty much (laughs) saying how much I hate modern McLarens. Mm -hmm. And I am vindicated because this is better in every way and they can suck it and their cars suck and exactly. they suck too because the reference they McLaren don't understand what makes a cool car. Mm-hmm. They are just these like woo boys that just get on the hype train and ride that hype train all the way to the trash heap. Anyway, this oh, is that might go down hard. in infamy is one of Brian's best rants on carbitrage. Um, oh, and I'm not done. We get into the rest of the car. It's still a three seater. still has a central driving position for the driver. Yeah. He has been shaving be. grams out of every single control. Nothing was done that didn't have function. Um, it still has luggage compartments for fitted luggage uh, between the passenger compartment and the engine compartment. It's down to 18 and 19 inch wheels. So the car yes. is actually, it's almost 10 inches shorter than a 911. It is Can tiny. we also mention the fact that it does not have some big, stupid 20 inch wheel on it? He has the smallest possible wheel. Exactly. He's like, I did the research and this is all you needed. I'm like, oh, okay. And, and just like the McLaren F1, it uses fans. And in this case, a single large fan, which is driven by, I think it's a 40 kilowatt electric motor. And it runs under certain conditions. So heavy braking, what it does is it's ducted to pull air from the back of the diffusers. So it lets you run a steeper diffuser Mm -hmm. angle, and you can actually suck the dirty air off the diffuser and force the air that's coming under your car to follow an unorthodox trajectory that physics doesn't like. But it gives you immense downforce without the need for wings and things like that. So the McLaren F1 had two 120mm fans. This has a single, I think, 240 mil or something like that fan but it runs under heavy braking and then uh cornering forces and stuff like that but it doubles the downforce of the car and it also doesn't have a big stupid ugly wing on it either which is beautiful right this is a a perfect hypercar it's a perfect car it's manual rear wheel drive v12 na it's actually i think it's fairly fuel efficient he said and I love I the, the Harry's Garage interview. You guys should all go watch it. It's an hour long, so set aside some time. But talking to Gordon Murray, he's like, well, why don't you publish figures for your car? You didn't do that with the McLaren F1, 0 to 60 time, quarter mile. I was like, it's because I frankly don't care. <laughs> I'm like, it weighs 1,000 kilos wet, and it's got 655 horsepower. It's going to be fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's like, like a good way I'm like, I, I, It doesn't so, matter. So he designed a car th- to be perfect. He, doesn't, he didn't care. He wasn't benchmarking. This is the thing with these hour-long videos. I love watching them on YouTube because what I do is I'll just play video games and have them play in the background. Mm-hmm. And you learn so much, like, too. And especially when it's yeah. the actual, like, the creator of the car. And he's, you can tell, he's just like, <laughs> the way he's so, he's so nonchalant about having designed the perfect car. And, yeah, no, he you know, really they're, has. They're only making 100 units, and obviously it's a very Damn selective it. group of uh, folks. They start at $2.38 million. I'm guessing he's not making much money on them. Okay, so this is this is a thing. All right, so Gordon Murray, mm-hmm. he needs to go back. He's at the T50, which mm-hmm. actually in Car and Driver, they have a poll saying, which would you rather have, the T50 or the F1? And the T50 has 77% of the votes. Just looked at that right now. 
this is what you should do. Make this, yes, as proof of concept. Now, go back, make one that revs to 8,000 RPM. I think that's the plan, makes, the T40. Ma- yeah, make a T40, revs to like 8,000 RPM, makes 500 horsepower. Uh, weighs same curb weight, keep it light, um, keep it manual only. Keep this. Keep most of this car as it is. Make it a two-seater, and then sell that to put McLaren out of business. That's what they should do. Because I think I love uh, this. You're car, saying that, but I, there is actually plans to make a budget version of good. a Gordon Murray automotive vehicle, and it's not too far off what you're suggesting. But he's planning to keep it under a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, that'd be even better. Uh, yeah, even even better than that. I would say I was just saying like make it. I don't know, three hundred thousand five hundred thousand right he could compete directly with Anne mclaren whatever those cost but yes that would be very cool and i think that is the plan i think once they sell out of the t50s he's planning to make that budget supercar much does a mclaren something or other cost (laughs) just type type in 720 i think that's that's a that's a mclaren Yes, they do have that. That is apparently one. So they go between two hundred ninety nine and one hundred ninety two thousand dollars. Oh, only that's your range. I can just see so many better cars to buy for that price range. Um, so well, like you could buy every single E seventy Corolla in the world. <laughs> uh, so this is the thing: is like you could so easily just take McLaren's lunch and eat it. Yep. Just by making make a car that costs. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to compete with the Corvette. Don't do that. They shouldn't do a sub hundred thousand dollar car. Right. It's vomiting in the face make... of people buying modern McLarens, thinking and assuming that modern McLarens have the same fundamentals and process behind them that the F1 did, when in reality no, it, it wasn't. Not at all. No, it's not. The modern McLaren is like an Evo Seven, where they were competing. They're using computers to overcome their only issues with their chassis while the WRX is kicking ass and taking names by just being an objectively better car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they just simplified it, chassis. and then it was better. Yes, <laughs> and so this, like, yeah, make a Gordon Murray version of this car, make it $175,000 for the base model, and then make, like, a in-between car that's, like, 500000 and mm-hmm. have this big be the big kahuna that everybody wants. I think that would work perfectly. And I just want to see McLaren go away so bad because I hate those goddamn cars. I know. They're Automatic so only, dumb sounding. And They're it, just it was funny. Gordon it. was originally going to make this a sequential box, but he actually had overwhelming feedback from the people that were actually registered to buy this thing. Like, dude, if you're only going to do 100 units, please make it a proper H pattern manual. He's like, that was music to my ears. <laughs> like, well, yeah. Yeah, like that's it's a driver's do. car. It's designed to be the best driver's car ever made. Yeah, it's not supposed to be a Chad Bro car. Like, no, there's nothing tells me that you Chad know Bro little car. about cars and just have too much money to spend. Like the sort of person that owns a McLaren, because mm-hmm. the sort of person that owns a McLaren is not a car enthusiast. No, God no. There's a, there's a sort of douchebag that gets up, watches F1 on the on their cable television, and then watches soccer or something because mm-hmm. they, they oh in in the that, apparel too don't forget the yeah, apparel in the apparel because they want to think that they're a sophisticated european <sighs> meanwhile they voted for donald trump like Oof. they're just idiots that uh that they are gallardo drivers. drivers that had just a little bit more money 
Yes, that's exactly what it is. It's a mm-hmm. Gallardo driver, and that's why I say every single time I see a Gallardo, Gallardo, I said that's a wonderful looking Audi because the Gallardo is by far the best Audi that you could have bought in the last thirty years. Oh, except the R eight's better. <laughs> no, well, the Gallardo's better Audi. It looks better. It looks better, but it's a worse car. Well, they're all bad. They're all Audis. That's true. Yeah, you're so, picking lesser evils at that point. Yeah, uh, buy the Gallardo, because at least when it breaks down, you can blame it on the fact that it's Italian. <laughs> that's like, a good point. Go. That, yeah, people I are expecting that. that. I, I, think should, I think that should be our top tip for the episode, <laughs> is when your Gallardo breaks, you buy the Gallardo, because when it breaks down, you can say, yeah, it's Italian, instead of having to explain that you bought an Audi, and you bought the least reliable German vehicle that you could have possibly found. I met Gary Busey, and he yelled at me. Of course he did. He's Gary Busey. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that, different than going up to the queen and saying I met the queen. She yelled at me. Yeah, like what did you do to the queen? Like it, it, you don't look like an idiot if your Gallardo breaks down. You look like an idiot because you bought an Audi. Mm-hmm. So I think that should be our top tip for the episode. That's I worked. That works for me. I'm fine with that. All right. Perfect. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, sir. For um, and for you guys listening, we will see you again next week. Yep. See. So, oh, in in person too, probably. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Well, I'm not leaving any more weekends on on the calendar here anytime soon. So. Wonderful. All right, cool. All right, see you listeners later. Bye-bye.